0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Today we're going to carry on with our follower series. Was anyone in church last week? Pastor Pastor Luke talked about our conviction aligning and having congruence with our conduct. And if you missed that, then I want to encourage you, jump online, have a look at that. But we are in the middle of a series about followers, because we are in the middle of a year about discipleship, about being a group of people who are committed to following Jesus. It's an amazing thought to me that the creator of the universe looks at you and I and says, come follow me. He doesn't look at your life and says, well, you're not good enough and you're not good enough and it doesn't work for you and you weren't born on the right side of the track. To all of humanity, he says, come, follow me because I've got a way that will bring fulfillment. I've got a way that will bring hope. I've got a way that will make sense. I've got a way that regardless of your life and circumstances, wherever you are, you can start the journey of following Jesus. And, you know, it's not an observation journey. It's not a spectator journey. It's a participation journey. It's a journey where Jesus doesn't just want us to watch, uh, but He wants us to be more like traveling companions as we do this journey called life together, that we're doing it with Him, teaching us His ways and His thoughts and how He would interpret certain circumstances. Whatever Whatever it is that you're facing, Jesus has a way forward for you. Amen? Come on, can we start by lifting up the name of Jesus, by thanking him for who he is. (laughs) Tauranga West, online, wherever you are, let's be committed to him. Thank you, guys. It's amazing. Get you back in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I love the fact that Jesus invites us into this traveling companion journey. You know, a few years ago, Amanda and I, uh, well, a lot few years ago now, Amanda and I were traveling from where we lived in America back to see family here on this side of the world. And our it was going to take two flights. One flight from Washington, D.C. to L.A., and then another flight from L.A. down to I forget where we're going, either Auckland or Sydney. And uh, the flight leaving Washington was late, which meant that when we got to L.A., I don't know if you've ever been to L.A., but it's a beast. Like, there is multiple multiple terminals and you may land at one you have to catch a bus to another and then there's a little shuttle in that thing like it's a beast so we're sitting there knowing that we are going to be late and our connection time is going to be tight in LA to actually make the flight now it sounds glorious to have a I missed my flight and the airlines have to put me up in Los Angeles for a night it sounds amazing until you've got three very major challenges with that their names are Micah, Kyla and Judah They were two, four, and six, or however old they were at the time, and we're like, the last thing we want to do is miss that flight and be stuck with three little blessings in the middle of LA trying to navigate that whole deal. So as we're coming into LA, the lady on the plane said, we're going to have one of the ground crew meet you there, and she is going to take you directly from the gate you land at, which is a domestic terminal, over to the international terminal, walk you through uh, security and get you to your gate so you make your plane on time. I'm like, thank you so much. I can't tell you how hawkeye I was watching that lady. Like, she was not getting out of my sight. Wherever she was, I was following her through the domestic terminal, out into the shuttle. She sat on the shuttle with us. She sat on the bus with us as we went to the international terminal. She walked through. She knew exactly which gate to go through. She knew exactly which door to go through. She knew exactly which line to go on. I was not letting her out of my sight because she knew the way to where I wanted to go. What if, as Christians... We follow Jesus with that much intensity because He knows the way. Whatever it is that you're facing, He knows the way out of it. Can I suggest that following Jesus is not just another task, but a daily posture to live with my eyes fixed on Him. In my marriage, my eyes fixed on Him. In my career, my eyes fixed on Him. In my parenting, my eyes fixed on Him. In my internal journey and my struggles, my eye fixed on Him. In the opportunities that arise, my eyes fixed on Him. Let's be committed to being followers of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we life will go much better for us, I would suspect. In John chapter 4, we read of an unlikely candidate. Who finds herself in the midst of challenge and posed with the question, will you follow me? John chapter 4 verse 4 says this, now he had to go through Samaria. Let's stop there, Jesus is not going to Samaria, he's going through Samaria. Can I suggest that there are so many of us that are task and goal focused that all we're worried about is the end point and we miss what Jesus wants to do on the way through somewhere. That Jesus wants to do something on our way to where he's got us to go. Side note, verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. You know, the Jewish people despised the Samaritans. Both of them were descendants of Abraham. If you've been in church a long time, you'll have sung the song, Father Abraham has many sons, many sons has Father Abraham, right foot in, left foot in, arms, heads, necks, all that. They were both descendants from Father Abraham. But at some point, the Samaritans were taken captive, and in their captivity, they didn't stay pure to the ways of Abraham. They intermarried with some of their captors. They, they kind of took on some of their culture. They worshipped the way that they worshipped. So therefore, the Jews, although you look at their story, they'd done similar stuff, side note, but the Jews looked down at the Samaritans like, you dirty people. I wonder how many people are in our life that we just dismiss that Jesus wants us to encounter on the way to where he's got us to go. And this lady in this moment, she's defensive. She has a colorful past. We later on read that she'd had five husbands. We don't know whether she wasn't with them anymore through divorce or death or whatever it was, but she'd had five husbands. And now she was in fact with another guy. She was preoccupied with her shame. She she was in a moment where Jesus was sitting in front of her and she couldn't see the one that was in front of her because of the past behind her. In verse 10, Jesus answered her and said, I, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, so, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well to drink from himself? And he did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, "Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here and draw water again. Just let me read verse 14 again. He says, whoever drinks of this water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know that water brings nourishment, brings cleansing brings relief and brings healing and life water you ever been so thirsty there is nothing like a hot summer's day reaching from the fridge who likes room temperature water give me a wave if you like room temperature water who doesn't like fridge ice cold almost frozen water who doesn't like that my son just got braces and he freaks out because it makes the metal in his mouth really cold and it sticks to his knees like dad i just want room temperature i'm like who are you whose child are you Learn to drink the, the cold water from the fridge. The real, you know, water is a sense of nourishment. There's nothing like water on a parched mouth. There's nothing like water when you are really, really thirsty. You know, there's going to be a photo come up. It's a photo of Death Valley. Death Valley is on the eastern edge of California, and it's one of the hottest places on earth. In fact, regularly it gets up to 57 degrees Celsius. Not only is it one of the hottest places on earth, it's one of the places that has the least amount of rainfall every year. It has 50 mils of rain every year. I wish we could kind of package up some of the rain we've had and send it over there because we've had plenty. They can have some of it. That's how Death Valley gets its name. But in 2016, an unusual amount of rain fell on Death Valley. And Death Valley went from this to next picture, this. Do you know that water can change what is happening in someone else's life? Overnight, it seemed like things beyond all hope. How can Death Valley ever have life? How can Death Valley ever breed anything? How can Death Valley ever have anything good? And then water comes and life happens. Can I suggest that God wants us as his followers to take the spring and the well of life inside of us and go into the Death Valley of our schools, of our neighborhoods, of our workplaces, wherever we are, and bring that water so that people who thought life could never happen, life springs forth. That things that never... That people who have lost all hope. Yeah, but there's one of those followers that have come into my environment and the well of water that Jesus gave them is springing out of them and it is bringing life to where they are. Father, I pray today that as we speak about living water, as we speak about wells, God, will we not hear it through the filter of a story that happened 2,000 years ago But God, would every one of us hear it as a story of what you want to do in and through us today, that when we leave church this morning, we have both access to a well, and we are a well for others. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this is not how the Samaritan woman would have expected her day to go. As Jesus later points out, he talks about her past and where she'd come from and what had happened and... It's likely that she went to the well in the middle of the day to avoid everyone. You know, in the middle of the day was the hottest part of the day. All the other wives would go in the beginning of the day or the cool of the evening to avoid the the heat of the sun. It is is likely that she went there to avoid everyone, to escape the judgment of others. And when Jesus promises her living water, she's skeptical. All of a sudden, Jesus says, I've got living water for your future. What she talks about is her past. She sees more future in what has happened. When Jacob of years ago dug a well and when the sons of Uh, him drank from the well, and she's saying, well, it makes no difference today, but back then we can celebrate. Can I suggest that there are a bunch of people in your world who look back at their past and wish they could get back there and avoid some of the decisions that they've made? She talks about what had happened in her past. Her highest hope is that she could avoid scrutiny from others, but Jesus promises her something far greater than just convenience. He promises us the same thing, a living well that can spring up within us and bring eternal life to other people. You know, I don't know about where you find yourself. I wonder whether you find yourself right now that life is dry. Maybe areas of your life that used to feel like it had life and vibrancy, but some of that life and vibrancy has been sucked out by some of the circumstances of the last few years or some of the personal journey you've been through, and maybe vibrancy's gone. Can I tell you that Jesus is sitting here today saying, I've got water for you that will turn your life into something that is fertile, something that has life, something that has something to give. Would we go on a journey with Jesus where we say, I'm going to follow you. And out of that, I'm going to get a well and I'm going to be a well. But whoever drinks from this water will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring, a water welling up to eternal life. You know, it's no accident they're sitting by a well. Jesus is encouraging this lady. That I want to be your well, and you can go and be a well to someone else. And can I suggest that for every one of us sitting here in March 2023, Jesus is saying, I want to be your well. Tauranga West, I want to be your well. I want to be a life source. I want to be something that brings freshness and hope and healing and life into your world. But it doesn't stop there. As you follow me, would you go and be someone else's well? Would you be a well of the Holy Spirit for someone else? Well, how does that happen? How do we become a well for someone else? I think we need three things to become a well for someone else. A source, depth, and a bucket source depth in a bucket. Number one, source. Don't just do for Jesus, do with Jesus. Come on, let's not fall into the religious trap that I've got to do something for Jesus. I I have to go on this task list for Jesus. No, no. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand and lead you into all the truth that I have for you. Jesus wants us to do life with him. We don't we don't need to live off wells of the past. We can be being filled by the Holy Spirit and we can be a well for others. Let's have a source that we tap into that it's not dependent on our ability and our goodness and our, and our uh, commitment of a morning to conjure up faith and conjure up hope and conjure up excitement. No, no, no. I'm going to tap into a source and let that flow through me. I'm going to tap into a source. Uh, in February of 1995, I was at a youth camp called Armed and Dangerous. You know it was 1995 because it was called Armed and Dangerous. It's the most horrific branding ever, isn't it? It wasn't my camp, by the way. So I'm at this youth camp. It's the first time I'd ever been in an environment that believed that the Holy Spirit wanted to engage with us. I'd grown up in church, and I'm now standing in an environment. I'm looking around, watching people with their hands raised with a look of absolute engagement on their face, It was a three-day camp. By day two, I'm like, man, I want some of that. So I went up to someone. I'm like, hey, when you're worshiping, like, what are you thinking about? Well, that's easy. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just saying, Jesus, whatever you want to do. So I tried that that night. And can I tell you, what was music became worship. What was an event became a moment. What was a camp became a meeting place with God. And that day in February 1996, it changed my life. But can I tell you, if all I had for you was a day in February 1996, then I'm missing out on all that God has for me. I could keep you here for hours telling you about story after story, encounter after encounter, as I make room and I carve out time to tap into the source and say, God, I need to engage with you so that you can do something through me. Last week, uh, I got up early like I normally do. I went down the beach. I sat and I looked at the beach and I just prayed, God, use my day. And uh, I'd I'd love to be able to tell you I do that every day. I'm not as holy and as Christian as Josh DeYoung. I kind of if I get four out of seven a week, I'm doing okay, okay? Like, I'm, I'm doing all right. So this, this is one of my days that I nailed it, and I went down the beach, and I'm sitting there, and I've got my Bible on, I've got my worship on, and I'm like, God, what do you want to do? The Holy Spirit just dropped into my heart. Call this person on your way to work. I've got a friend of mine who's gone through a tough time, and I called him. I'm like, hey, bud, how are you doing? He broke down and started crying on the phone. He said did my wife tell you to call me this morning? I'm like, oh, no, no, someone greater than your wife told me to call you. He said to me, for the first time in my life, this morning, I had a suicidal thought. I was able to pray with him. I connected him with a counselor. Can I tell you that God wants not just to be a well for you, but a well for others? And I think sometimes we can hear stories and go, well, that's a good preacher story. That's not, I'm not telling you this as a preacher. I'm telling you this as a Christian. God wants to use your life and your world, to you to tap in and for it to be a source to you, but also to be a source for others. What does God want to do in your world this week if we would say, God, let me be a well for others? So number one, we need a source. Number two, we need depth. We need to be transformed by him. We need to become like Jesus. You know, in terms of leading in church, not staff, but just leading in church for I don't know if Amanda and I for 30-something years have led in church, whether it be in worship teams in volunteer capacities, or running groups or working with young people or just hanging out with young married couples, whatever it looks like leading in church, the most exciting thing is watching Jesus transform someone watching Jesus take what they never thought they could be and turn it into the picture he always had for them to be. There's this young guy. I grew up in a town called Colborough Beach. It's the most beautiful place in the world geographically. It is the most horrific place culturally. I was a youth leader when I was 17 years old, and there was this young guy that came into our youth ministry. His name was Dylan. Dylan was the son of the local drug dealers. Literally, he grew up, and for his 12th birthday, his dad gave him a bong and a bag of weed and said, smoke this, we're bringing you into the family business. Dylan walked into our youth ministry at 15 years old. This kid was—it couldn't function without marijuana, and but he had this God encounter. It was the most amazing thing. He had this God encounter, but Jesus was still working on him, so he'd be in the middle of worship, and uh, the church that I was a part of was like a little Baptist church. And there was, I think the average age was about 79. Uh, and because we were right next door to a retirement village. So one of our outreaches, we would go and get the retirement village people and wheel them in to do church. It's an amazing church growth strategy. They wanted to get out. We wanted them in, win-win. So we'd get them in there and we'd have like rows and rows of these people in wheelchairs. And Dylan got saved. And I remember Dylan in the middle of worship would have his hands up. He's like, God, you're so blip and good. God, I love you so blippin' much. Save my dad because he's an absolute blip. And he would, at the top of his lungs, in the only way he knew how, he would genuinely be worshiping God with every four-letter word known to man. Remember the first time Dylan's parents came to church, he was getting baptized. I walk around the corner to go to church and there's Dylan smoking a joint outside of church. I'm like, Dylan, he's like, what? I said, what are you doing? He's like, man, I just got to loosen up. My parents are in church and real nervous. I just go, I'm like, dude, i got to talk to you about different ways to loosen up. But anyway, you do you. I'll see you in church. And about three years ago, I was 17 then. I'm 47 now. What's that? 30 years later. I got a Facebook message from Dylan. He's like, Scott, I just want you to know I'm still going on with Jesus. I'm married, I've got three kids, and we are in church serving God. You know why? Because we don't serve religion. We serve a God of transformation where He wants us to go deep. He wants us to grow deep roots. And if you've been in church a while, and it's been a little while since you've gone, you know what, I need to get deeper into my prayer. I need to get deeper into my worship. I need to spend some time and not just rely on what I've built, but go deeper and stronger. Can I encourage you this week? God, I want something fresh in you. Because to be a well, we need a source, we need depth, and number three, we need a bucket. We need a way to give. Can can I get four of you to squeeze on in? Jeremy, Ra, Nick. One, two, three, four, yep. Just just right up here. Come on, you guys are used to being front and center. Don't act like you don't like the stage. (laughs) Don't be all coy now. You know what happens? I'll get to you, bro. Stand there. We spend so much time comparing our buckets. Because a bucket is either time, talent, or treasure. Man, I wish I had more, as much money as that person. Either gifting? Man, I wish I could sing like Nicole Fletcher. I pray that every time. Man, Ra is one of the most creative geniuses. We wouldn't even compare when it comes to creativity. But we spend all our time, ooh, Ra gets to use her creativity to be a, to be a living well to someone else. Jo, I mean, you ever seen Josh when he just forgets the run, sorry Matt, when he forgets the run sheet and just leads us into those moments in worship? Like when, when he prophetically steps in, you're like, oh my gosh. Man, if I could do that, if I could just, if I could just be like Josh, if I could just have the bucket Josh has, Nicole and I and her husband over here have done life for, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15 years now. I did their wedding. I'll get all jerked up. I did their wedding, dedicated their kids. If you heard their story and what they've allowed for God to mold and shape in them, to use them to bring hope to others, man, if I could just do that. And we compare buckets. You know, there's a lady in our south campus. She passed away now. But when a man and I first came, she would beeline me every Sunday. She goes, I've been praying for you this week. It's not sexy like Josh. Doesn't have a microphone in her hand. Doesn't have 800 people she leads. She is in her prayer closet. Praying for me every week. I'm praying, and she, here's what she would pray. I'm praying, not only do you do ministry well, but you do your family well. And every week I felt like it was a Holy Spirit kicking me in the backside saying, focus on what you need to focus on. Do you know which bucket I would choose out of all these? Sorry, guys, this one. But here's the deal. We compare buckets because it's what we can see. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you water that will be like a spring that will flow up and help others. I don't care what your bucket looks like. It's the same water in every bucket. And His name is Jesus. And whether for you it's encouragement or a microphone, whether it's a million-dollar check or faithful with your tithe, it's the same water flowing through you. Let's stop comparing buckets and thank God for our bucket and say, God, this week, help me use my bucket to be a well of life for someone else. I wonder today, How many of us, thanks Tabe. Verse 28 to 30 says this, the woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village, telling everyone, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Verse 30, catch this. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Look at me. She didn't have money, she didn't use her gift, she used her story as a bucket to point people to Jesus. I don't care how flashy your bucket is, I don't care how big your bucket is, every one of us have a story of our encounter with Jesus and every one of us can use our story of what God has done in our life to point people to a living water that will turn them from Death Valley pre-rain to Death Valley post-rain if we would say, you know what, I used to struggle here, I used to have a deficit here, but I encountered Jesus and His living water and his hope and who he was and may what he's done in me flow through me to be a living water for you so that it can make a difference in your world. Would you stand to your feet all over this building? As I was preparing this message this week, I thought, do I bring people to the front, get them prayed for? So, What do I do? Here's what I would love for us to do. I'd love for us to sing a song that talks about how good he is. And for us, not just to sing some words, but remember, the living water that is in us is not tainted by us. He is bigger. He is stronger. He is greater. If we would allow Him to both fill us and flow out of us, then I reckon our world would be different if we would be a church of disciples who say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to have a moment with you. My source is you. My depth is you. And God, thank you for the bucket you've given me. If you say today, I don't have a bucket. Yeah, you do, you got a story. Start with that and say, God, use my story to flow through me to help others. So I'd love for us, if you're comfortable, to take a moment and to lift both hands and say, God, I need a moment with you where I replug into the source, where I go a bit deeper into who you are and I'm making a commitment God, use every bucket I have, every talent, every time, every moment, my obedience, my story. Use my buckets to make a difference in my world. And we're going to worship and we're going to declare how good He is, how great He is, and what He is, and what the creation declares who He is. Come on, let's worship. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message you always have a place to call home here at LIFE. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the LIFE app to stay connected and find out more.